Good morning, folks. In the studio today is Assemblymember Carol Treem. Good morning, Carol. Good morning, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Carol, the filing period opens tomorrow for seats on the Assembly and the school board here in town. I believe your term is up this year. What are you thinking? I plan to file tomorrow to run again. I'm looking for another term on the Assembly. Well, as Pete would articularly ask candidates running, why? <laughs> That's a very good question. Uh, the current crisis of the housing crisis is big on my mind, and so I want to stay on the assembly to keep working on that. I think we've just started to create some momentum in what we're doing there, so I want to see that through and see what we can do to move the needle on the housing situation in Juneau. And also, I'm looking at the budget in kind of a long-term view. Uh, I was the first millennial elected to the assembly, and I'm still actually the youngest assembly member. So I'm looking at the future in terms of decades, and I want to see us spend our money a little more responsibly. I wasn't super happy with some of the decisions the assembly made in the last year with regards to the budget. So I'd like to stick around and see if I can have some influence there. And we could talk about those two points, but to start with the budget, uh, I remember Jeff Rogers, the finance director, saying that the city will ha has a structural deficit going into the future, right? In, in 10 or so years, it will have a structural deficit. I, I think if we continue the way things have been, relying on kind of these influxes of money, either from the federal uh, pandemic relief that we got, mm -hmm. or with what the state decides to do with school bond debt reimbursement, that has kind of been a windfall for us. And I just don't want us to be dependent on getting those windfalls at regular intervals, because that's not within our control. So I think we should be budgeting for the money that we have that's within our control. And so do you, how, how do you see yourself approaching that? Do you, would you approach it from a increased revenue standpoint or a cost cutting standpoint? So currently we're in a good position where I think that we the budget we passed is going to be fine, but I think we need to look at our spending a little bit. We did a lot of off-cycle spending this last year, like to the tune of $25 million of projects that we approved outside of the budget cycle. And I think when we do that, we're not looking at a plan for our money. We just kind of react to whatever is in front of us. So I want us to Maybe we still do some of those projects. I'm not saying we can't do any kind of fun project, but I want us to look at it more thoroughly and kind of analyze how it fits in with our long-term goals more. It, it must be a challenge because I remember during the finance, the many finance committee meetings you had, a lot of the departments were saying their costs increased. Yes. And that, I mean, that is just the case everywhere in the world right now of, with inflation. And I don't see that trend going away. So I, we need to be careful about what our core city services are. We don't want to end up cutting police and fire and roads because we've spent too much money elsewhere. And, and it seems like some of it's not even in your hands because we just got the word today that Capital Transit was reducing their services. Right. I mean, at this point, you know, the world is crazy, and I think we're all seeing that in every aspect. So a lot of it is out of our hands, and we need to also have money for emergencies in case they pop up again. It, yeah, and that was attributed to labor shortages, actually. And even the other day, I saw on the city Facebook how many positions are open. Yes, <laughs> so yes. This, I know the city's hiring, but is there something going on here? I don't think it's anything different than what the rest of the world is seeing, mm -hmm. or the rest of the country, at least. You know, we've got labor shortages everywhere. Fair enough. But 
on the second point of housing, I remember that was one of your top issues when you were first running. Well, how would you say that issue has evolved over that time? Well, you know, in, in 2020, it's an issue that I really wanted to start working on then. And of course, the pandemic hit us and we had to completely change our focus to focus on COVID-19. But now we're kind of out of that immediate term focus on the pandemic. And I think it's time that we start working on those housing housing action plan goals. We do have a housing action plan that the assembly adopted maybe five or six years ago, and it's got a lot of great stuff in there. We just need to start doing it. And I think we've started to do that. At the finance committee this month, we've introduced some new ideas, and I think we are actually starting to move forward on those. But I can tell you, I'm definitely getting impatient, and I want to kind of push the assembly along on those actions. And plus you had injected a lot of money into the affordable housing fund recently. Yes, we have. I think we've made some great decisions to put a lot of money into that fund. So I believe it was a five million recently and then another million? Five million recently and then we've added it on our potential one percent sales tax list that would add a certain amount every year. So that would give us the opportunity if if a project comes up that we want to get involved in, having you know some cash on hand to work on that will be a great opportunity. And on that finance committee meeting, there was also the short-term rental ordinance. I was a little confused by this one because aren't they already supposed to be registering? They are, you know, they short-term rentals still have to remit sales tax and hotel bed tax, just, you know, like a hotel would. But the problem is our data is not very granular. So, you know, one operator will submit everything all at once. We don't have good information on how many different units there are, you know, what kind of units they are. Are they whole houses, whole apartments, or just a room in somebody's house that they live in? So this short-term uh, rental registration ordinance that we've started working on would just allow us to collect that data, which I think we really need to be able to see how it's actually impacting the housing market in Juneau. But on the housing market, during that same meeting, tax abatement was taken up. And from my read of it, it would increase the eligibility of the tax abatement, right? Yes. So we have tax abatement in place for senior housing projects. That's what the Vintage Park project is using. So we already have one project that's going to use that. We also implemented it for downtown. Uh, At that time, I think our focus was kind of just on downtown housing. And now it's this problem has just grown so much, we obviously need to focus throughout the whole borough. So this would expand the area where this is eligible to the whole borough. So if somebody wants to build a new multifamily housing project of at least four units, they could get tax abatement for up to 12 years. And it, it would it would seem at least my assumption would be that there'd be more land out in the valley. So exactly. So oh, okay. you know maybe we should have done this borough wide to begin with, um, but we have a chance to fix that mistake now. Very good. So you were elected to the area wide seat back in 2018, and then reelected the year after to the three year term. As we were saying off the mic, here you are now. What would you say you're glad to know now that you may not have known in the beginning? Oh, man, I know so much more than I did um, in the beginning. But I think, you know, the, the best part, the best thing I've gained from the four years of being on the assembly is how many people I've met and how many different kind of perspectives I hear from now than I ever would have before. And, you know, just 
people I would have never encountered and never would have conversations with in my normal life before being on the assembly. And now I get to meet and interact and become friends with even people I would have never run across previously. And that's been, I think, the best thing that's come out of it for me personally. And so they each get to give you a fire hose? Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, exactly. As, as it was once put. So what are you proud of then? I can tell you the thing that I am absolutely the most proud of was uh, April of 2020. We had just shut everything down because of COVID-19, which was a really difficult decision for the assembly to make. We had we spent dozens of hours meeting before we made that decision. But after we did that, I said, okay, now we have to do something for all of those people whose jobs we just took away. And we got the emergency loan program set up really quickly, I think within like a couple of weeks. And we had money out the door to Juno businesses. Oh, the PPP. Uh, well, we had an emergency loan program funded through our emergency reserve that got money out the door before any state or federal money okay. hit the streets in Juneau. And that is the thing I am absolutely most proud of. Mm. And that's right. Your term, it was the pandemic that happened during your term. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So it's been four years, but it feels like 40. Oh, uh, well. I, we'll have more with Treem after the break. Stay tuned. Uh, we're back with assembly member and soon-to-be candidate again, Carol Treem. Along with your name being on the ballot, there'll be ballot measures on mandatory property sale disclosures, uh, repealing that ordinance. Uh, what's your read of it? You know, when that ordinance came to the assembly, I was initially hesitant about it because of the privacy concerns. I know Alaskans, you know, really love our privacy, and I was hesitant because I thought, you know, we shouldn't be asking that of people. But the way it was explained is that this is actually going to make property taxes fairer, especially for people in the middle class, because the assessor's office doesn't have good information, especially for those higher value properties. And having this having this additional piece of information that they'll use is going to make everything just so much more fair. And it's really going to actually ease the property tax burden of the middle class in particular. And that is what swayed me to vote for the ordinance and I still support it and so I will you know continue to support this this law that we have in place currently so essentially against the the, the, the ballot question yes I had to stop and think about how to yeah. word that but yes against against the ballot measure and the other thing is like you know we're seeing this insane real estate market it's just gone absolutely crazy so having transparent information for buyers and sellers is only going to help them as they try to navigate all of this craziness and even with housing we saw in the Southeast Conference's business climate survey, businesses are saying they're having trouble with their employees because the housing market is both unaffordable and unavailable. Right. You know, I, I feel like I'm maybe starting to sound like a broken record, but I feel like so many of our current issues can tie back to the housing crisis in some way. And that labor shortage is definitely one of those. Hmm. So another question on this uh, on this ballot question, though, you could have acted before the deadline, but the assembly decided not to. Why is that? You know, I, I think that the assembly is standing by its decision to implement the mandatory disclosure ordinance. And, you know, it, it passed. I, I don't think there were enough votes to go back and repeal it. Okay. So 
one question, one item, actually, that seemed to escape the ballot was the question on sales tax on food. What happened there? You know, I think partly we just ran out of time and partly it's such a difficult issue. And, you know, it came down to whether we would want to increase sales tax year round or have a seasonal sales tax to pay for to pay for that lost revenue from food. And I think we we couldn't come to an agreement there. It was just that decision got too difficult. And so we've decided to take another year. I know Deputy Mayor Gladyshevsky has proposed a survey to ask Juneau residents what they feel. But ultimately, if if the assembly wants to do something about this, this assembly or any future assembly, it has to go back to the voters. So it's it's kind of just a confusing issue that ultimately is going to be decided by voters anyway. Well, I know the goal was relief, but is there other avenues of relief than removing sales tax on food? There is. We certainly discussed um, a proposal by Mayor Weldon that would be a rebate or a refund to people under a certain income threshold, similar to some programs we already have uh, in place for senior sales tax. So that was one thing that we discussed, but the assembly wasn't super interested in going into that further. But maybe in this next year, we'll revisit some of those ideas that would maybe be a little easier to implement than removing sales tax completely. Mentioning the senior sales tax, what's your thoughts on that? Should the, the, should the exemption be brought back? Um, I I think that issue is is settled, and I certainly settled. have no desire to to reopen that one. Okay, so. The 1% sales tax renewal, though, is up. Uh, What's your stance? Oh, this is a really important thing that comes up on the ballot every five years. And this is how we pay for a lot of really, like, important but boring projects. Um, Deferred maintenance, uh, the police radio system, parks and rec maintenance and possibly some new projects. So this is an important one. I think everybody should vote yes. This is really how you get all of the good stuff out of city government. Plus that affordable housing and uh, funded. Yes, and we will hopefully fund, add some money every year to the affordable housing fund to keep working on those projects as well. Was there something on the list you may have wanted to see? You know, I was actually really happy with the list that we came up with. It was a long meeting kind of going through all of the ideas that we had, and I was satisfied with what we got done, actually. I was pleasantly surprised that you know, I think everybody was mostly satisfied with the things that were on the list. And on, but on the list, what's your number one? Oh, heck yeah, we got it on that list. What's what's your top project? You'd say our top couple. Yeah, projects. so we had we were asked actually each assembly member was asked to rank them, and I ranked uh, affordable housing fund and childcare as my top two. But the other things of just kind of deferred maintenance projects, which you know, are really unsexy, but very important. Those all made it in just fine, and I was happy to see that as well. well speaking of childcare, what more could be done in that respect in the city, do you think? Yeah, I think we need to keep working on that. We do have a program in place that helps the local kind of childcare providers recruit and retain their staff and get their staff you know, trained to higher levels. And I think we need to keep supporting that. And so this 1% sales tax money will allow us to do that. Very good. And a geo bond issuance may be on the ballot for a new city hall. It would be up to $35 million. Is this project something to further, do you think? You know, this is, a, it's really 
politically unpopular to build a new city building, right? I understand that, but it's actually really needed. We will spend a lot of money no matter what we do, even if we don't build a new city hall. The current city hall needs tens of millions of dollars of maintenance. And also we're spending millions of dollars on rent that you know we should own our own buildings and we can give some office space back to in the marine view that could turn back into housing. And we also, given our current debt load, I think that we could structure this bond so that it wouldn't increase property taxes. So actually that makes now the perfect time to move forward on this, even though nobody ever wants to spend money on projects like this. In this case, I think it's actually necessary. And how do you feel on the price tag? You know, if we had done it five years ago, (laughs) it would have been a lot cheaper, but that's true of everything. I think this is just what we're going to see on all projects these days is they're just much higher than we ever anticipated. Mm. And what's what's your hope with the outcome with the city hall? Let's say it's built. We got it over there down by the uh, State Museum nearby Centennial Hall, that area. We got it built. What do you hope? its benefit will be? I think that it will save people money because we won't be spending that money on rent. We'll have a newer building designed to last that, you know, over time will be cheaper maintenance wise. And, you know, the city is going to be around hopefully forever. So we need buildings that are going to last a really long time. And I think that this is an opportunity to, you know, really build a beautiful building that will last us a long time and save us a lot of money in the long run. You had mentioned, too, that our debt load is well positioned right now. Could you expand on that? So we've paid off quite a bit of the school bond that we have had, Um, haven't introduced new ones because the state has not fulfilled their obligation to pay their half of it. So as that debt load keeps falling, that gives us more room in our debt mill rate to issue new bonds, and we can structure those new bonds in ways the finance director has his mathematical ways of doing this that don't dramatically increase people's property taxes. So we're paying them over a long enough time that we don't see that big, huge bump to our property taxes. So in the case of the city hall, the sooner the better. I think so. I think that every year we wait, um, it's just going to end up costing us more money. But I understand that it's not an easy project for people to support. If it doesn't happen this year, I would hope that we try again the year after. Is there anything you'd like to add? Um, I do want to say to Juno drivers, please slow down a little bit. We've had a lot of fatal accidents or, oh, or yeah. near fatal accidents recently, and it's sunny and it's summer and everybody's excited, but just want to ask everybody to drive safely. Yeah. Prayers out to those folks who passed away due to the accidents. But thank you for bringing that up, and thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you, Kevin. And with that, join us tomorrow as we'll be speaking with the city manager, Rory Watt. So be sure to tune in. But thank you for tuning in this July 14th. This is Kevin Allen Fraction Line signing off.